This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life Made Better. Today's guest is someone very close to my heart, someone I have witnessed growing into an amazing human being, an influential leader, top international journalist. He is Pablo Rodriguez. Pablo is a journalist for El Mundo, one of the top newspapers in Spain. He's based in Brussels, where he covers any matters related to the European Union and then some more. He collaborates with Spanish and Italian uh, radio and TV. He's a published author and recently has been awarded with one of the most prestigious awards in journalism, Premio Salvador de Madariaga. Pablo also plays football, 10-pin bowling, does CrossFit, reads a book a day, has taken cooking as his hobby and is really good at it. And above it all, I'm fairly sure this is the title that he is most proud of. He's my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Pablo, welcome to Life Made Better. Thank you for being with us today. And I would love for you to share a bit of your story, your journey, what led you to where you are today, because your journey has nothing, has been nothing but a straight line. So if you can share a little bit with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you very much for those kind words. I barely recognize myself in this wonderful description. <laughs> well, it happens when we do it for you. But I guarantee to any listeners, that's 100% true. So tell us a little bit, because obviously I know that you started sort of your career studying economy, then you did history, and then you ended up having a master in journalism in El Mundo and ended up working in economy, which is the career that you didn't want to do in the first place. So tell us a little bit about that. How was that journey and how did you actually end up sort of in journalism anyway? Mm -hmm. Well, just I will say that by case, because um, when I was finishing high school, um, I was extremely confused. I had no idea what I wanted for my life. I considered for a while not studying a lot, which was weird because I was not an excellent student, but I was very good with books and definitely so interested in, let's say, an intellectual life uh, since I was like 13, 14 years old. But I was not really sure that that was a career I would love to pursue. I did consider for a while actually studying cooking or become a cook. Um, I really considered it seriously, but I had no, or my family had no either any connection with the industry. We had no friends with restaurants who could provide any kind of guidance or tips or suggestions. So eventually I accepted that the probably college university was the most logical outcome and, and the path I should follow. I was okay with that. Uh, simply I didn't know what to do. I uh, had many, many, many interests. Probably something you will realize along this conversation is that I was never very good at picking up things. I was not able to just pick up one sport. Uh, I was not able just to pick up one career. So I have many, many doubts. I love history. Probably is the thing, the topic, the subject I love it the most in, in school, but also literature. But I didn't want it to write. I was a reader, not a writer. So I thought that probably... 
as some path on the letters was not my choice. I did consider seriously history, but at the same time, I thought it was, let's say, too easy and probably was afraid on very little possibilities in terms of career later on. So I decided to to go for the economics. My Both my parents had uh, some degree in economics and they finished doing different things. So I thought it was a, a good option. The thing is that I, I don't know if you actually remember this thing, but I, I made a terrible mistake because back in, in back then, it was 1987, in Spain, when you wanted to go to university, you passed your um, summer exams, you get a, a grade, and, and according to your grade, you could choose uh, the career. But after that, you basically, you bought uh, an envelope with a huge paper sheet in which you, you basically said which university would you go to and what uh, major degree you will pursue in that university. And I made a mistake. I didn't choose the actually the one I thought I wanted. So instead of, let's say, a full major, I opted for like a minor studies. So instead of five full years, like um, degrees, it was like only three years. I opted for the evening classes in a university was like one hour and a half away from home, a new university. And most of the people who were attending, actually, they didn't come from high school, but they were so way older than me. It was a total disaster. It lasted just like four months. I dropped it. I spent the next six months just basically reading a lot and learning about computers, spending hours and hours in the night in the internet, learning about coding, uh, hacking, and this stuff because I had not made my mind. And the very next year, I did apply for the history degree. It was the right choice. It was not easy at the beginning either, but eventually I did move on. When I was in my fourth year, I did study studying political science as well. So I was doing the full-time five years degrees. And when I was finished my second one, I was doing two PhDs because I didn't know, I couldn't not really choose uh, just one topic. So I was doing international relations in one hand and modern history in the other one, just waiting for somebody else, I guess, to, to make the decision for me. Eventually, somebody did. I spent uh, the summer of 2005 or six studying in first in London and the very next year in the US, in California. I decided that if I wanted a PhD, it was going to be in the UK or the US. I needed some scholarships, so I had like nine months to a gap to fill. I had this friend of mine who has the previous year, she, she completed the master's degree in journalism, who was associated with a, a newspaper, El Mundo. So I follow it. I did ask for a scholarship for doing the master's degree. Just it was like I would need to kill these nine months. I had no better option. Just do that. Eventually, it was the the beginning of my real career. So I just finished the master's degree. The very next week, they hired me, and that was fifteen years ago. Wow. So Pablo, I'd like to challenge you. Was it actually a mistake or was it a learning experience? Because if you hadn't gone off to do the economics, you probably always had in the back of your mind, should you have done it? So by trying in a way, you've kind of closed that door. You knew that that wasn't the right path. I must confess, I really don't make this kind of assumptions normally. I have never made plans for my life because I have never had very clear ideas. I never have this vocational stuff when I was younger. I want to be a doctor. I wanted to be a professor. I didn't have really clear ideas of what I wanted to be. And I, all my life before 18 and later on as well, I never made properly 
a full overview of what I want, when I want to be, where I want to be in 10 years, in five years, in 20 years, what I want for my life. I basically let it happen. So I, I really didn't strike strong lessons from every decision. I don't know. It was a mistake. It was an opening, a challenge. It was an opportunity. I know it happened. And I'm quite happy of, um, of, of the final final outcome. So far, I probably, probably is not the best way. I should think more about where I want to be. So probably can design or, or prepare some steps. But so, hard, so far has been so good. So it's, it's quite tempting just to keep the same the same path. Yeah, I think it's good to follow that curiosity though, because I think I think we don't know until we, we try. How can we until we experience? People can say some people are very, very lucky and know, but I think the majority of us have to experience and be curious. So I love I love your philosophy. <laughs> yeah, basically I know that most people of my generation and probably the, the very next generation, they are very frustrated because they have this idea, this impression that if they got to university, got a degree, learn some English, they will eventually get a very nice job, a good life. And, and it didn't happen in Spain. We have this couple huge economic crisis and we have a, a, for a long time, we have like a 50% unemployment rate for the job people in Spain. So it's a full generation full as well of frustration because they, I never had that. I really never thought this is going to be good. If you just finish your degree, it's going to be great. I think it's just like one thing at a time. And well, I do this thing because I have no better thing to do now because I really don't think that at 18 years old, I really can decide what's going to be my life look like in 20 years. I really cannot manage that. So just do as much, as good as you can. And with just one principle, one idea is keep learning. It can be history, it can be political science, it can be foreign languages, but just keep learning stuff. You never know what's going to be. I have many options to move uh, for different careers. For a while, when I was finishing my degree, I had not just this um, offer for, uh, for a job. I really considered it my my hobby, my principal hobby, where I spent most hours in my life was playing temping bowling, which I know is, is quite weird. And I was very, very close to just move to that industry and start working in a pro shop and doing all, all things related to that industry. Nothing to do with an academic life was my previous path. And it was so, so close. So I know it was perhaps an, another path and it would be good as well. Mm. But I want to flag a couple of things because I mean, and there are so many things I'm, I'm hearing. But on the one hand, you mentioned that sort of let's just keep on learning and keeping open and curious, which I think it is a decision and is an approach in itself, because the, the fact that you chose not to close the door to any opportunity that was coming your way, I believe is one of the successful things you did because it's led you to where you are right now and who knows what is going to take you next. On the other hand, as you were saying, is that thirst of knowledge, of learning that keeps fueling what you do? I think we can arguably, you know, someone could argue that you are ready to debate in every area that I can think of. If we now started to talk about nature you probably pull up a degree of your bag and be like oh yeah I'm a, you know I, I know all this much about nature so it's one of those beautiful things that allows you to be able to chime in and have an informed opinion is I think that's the other thing in knowing you that you will never come in on something that you don't know of you will reserve your opinion and then you would probably go and learn about it and then 
go with it. Like, you know, you were talking about languages. I think you speak, what, five languages? English, Italian, (laughs) French, Spanish. (laughs) Wow. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that you keep going at life with that sort of open heart, open mind, and that kind of can do less, let's go attitude. But that, definitely, but I must, uh, I think that the, the basis of this conversation, this um, analysis uh, is that actually he was a very privileged guy from the early beginning. He was a solid family with a solid income who basically allowed me to keep studying until I was 25 years old. No necessity of work before that. Actually, I was disencouraged because I had some, I had some summers jobs, small stuff to get some money, but very, very small things that take me only just a few hours. Not really a half time to interfere with my academic life. So I could basically for 25 years dedicate all my free time to reading, learning, studying, enjoying. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And this idea, which probably was not, I mean, is is, is dangerous in in a way, is that eventually somebody will provide. Some, it's not God that will provide, but something will provide. If you are good, you know the languages, you are quite okay, you are not stupid, some opportunities will show up, will pop up, and it happened once and again. I, I didn't happen to my friends who have a very a worse family situation, worse economic situations, that they have to focus in many other things. They could not really relax uh, uh, and enjoy. Uh, later on, I found many, many people in my life that were so so impressed. Like, oh, you read a lot of books. I said, that's not impressive. The impressive thing is that you finished your career when you were working. You have very little time and still you get amazing grades. You know, you have you speak a very good English, even though you come from a very poor family with no very options. In my case, it was so easy. I learned another language in a private school when I since I was five, so I was not afraid of foreign languages from the early beginning. Later on, my family could provide for um, uh, extra classes in the evening, learning English. That was so easy. So the diff- the amazing thing is not that I speak languages so I can read books; it's the judo because you have to work it hardly. And I don't. I'm not just saying, oh, you are. This, Everything else married, you don't have any merit at all. I'm not stupid. I recognize what I did. I have some of the people who have the same opportunities. I didn't take them or didn't. I know that, but still I am very aware that this uh, situation, I'm not definitely a self-made man. I'm absolutely wrong. I'm not this uh, entrepreneurship spirit that I did. No, absolutely not. It was my family and the opportunities I have that allowed uh, this personal development. I mean, I I absolutely love your humbleness and the fact that you are so aware that the benefits of having a strong foundation is huge. And it is very, very difficult for people that come from, you know, low economic backgrounds when they have to work and they have to study. But there is a lot of people that have your opportunities as well who don't take them. So you also have to acknowledge that because you haven't just studied You've really studied and that is, you know, you have to say, look, you really did take the opportunities that you were given. And that awareness, I think, is key for anybody listening that, yes, it is very difficult if you come from a good background to study to that extent. And it is also very difficult if you come from a low economic background to study. But 
there is opportunities for everybody. There really is opportunities for everybody. You know, I taught in education for 23 years in the toughest schools in London. Some of the kids come from horrific backgrounds and some of the kids got first degrees. They went into law. They did amazing. So there is always possibility. But thank you for your humbleness. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, that, sort of lets me to the next question because obviously you mentioned family who has been a huge supporting role in what your life turned out to be but other than that have you had a a mentor figure have you had somebody that has particularly supported you along this way or many many mentors maybe because it could be different figures and how how have they helped you uh, well, definitely, I would say that both my parents and my close family uh, were the, the basic mentors in not as a proper mentor figure, the, the way probably many people think called, but as an example, basically uh, an example of what is generosity and what is hardworking life. But they didn't really press me in any of those aspects just to follow the steps, but I saw them and it was not easy for them. Many, many times they didn't take any credit for that and still they kept doing that. And that was very, very impressive. I think I learned it from the early beginning. After that, probably the only the only person I can think of, it was this guy, this teacher I had in, in high school. Since I was 14 uh, to for, for four years, the full high school, it was a teacher. I did attend an Italian school because my father did that Italian, uh, and did attend as well for just because an, an Italian school. So everything was in Italian. And this guy was a teacher of Italian, Latin, and, and so on other stuff. We have interesting, we have this subject which was the Divine Comedy, comedy, just the Dante's book. It was a full subject in so we dedicate one to two hours per week only to read and comment and analyze the book uh, line by line. And this guy was was amazing. His love of knowledge the passion he put in his job, the way he really opened up gates and ideas and books to us. And he was extremely flexible. Let's say that best thing in my school, they was very, very flexible in the sense that they could really, he was teaching us literature. But you know how it's literature to top in, in the school. So basically you just read the lives, um, some abstract of the lives of some great other writers and poets and stuff, but you basically don't read the books they wrote. You know all the life about Shakespeare, but you barely read some of the pieces of wrote. Very, very few. Same in, in, in Spain. But I could really approach this, this professor and say, excuse me, I really don't get it. Why, why should I learn this shit? And he would say, yeah, you're right. What do you propose? What's your option? And I would say, I don't know. May I can read five books of this Shakespeare guy? And we, then you put an exam on me and we analyze the book and discuss about the book. Yeah, definitely. Just do that. Read them. Uh, once you read that, just let me know and I will do an exam. And I just skip at the other corner of the exams. Or we have the writing exam, just to, to, to write an essay. And they, he will provide like three, four subjects, like very rigid academic and curricular thing. And I can just stand up in the middle of the exam, approaching him, hey, prof, this is so boring. I don't want to write about that. And as he only, the only thing he wanted is for us to write. And he said, okay, what do you want to write about? And I say, just provoking. Last night games of football. I say, just go ahead. 
write me a story about the game. I don't care because the thing I want is you to write, to learn to write. And he was very, very open that. He opened uh, the doors of his house, literally. You could ask him. He, every morning he bought us the newspapers. And, but he was never, never using force. He was letting everybody to make their own decisions. If you just wanted to have a very regular, rigid education aspect curricula, just go ahead. If you don't feel that, you, you want to find another path, any options, find that because he understood that 25 different kids in the school could not love the same things, could not adapt to the same kind of teaching and, and learning. And the best thing was to adapt him, himself, his teaching to the people he was talking to. Mm, I mean, I absolutely love that because this was something that I used to try and install. I trained teachers for a long time that, you know, learning has to be personal. But what I'm hearing from your parents and from that man was that they allowed you to take your path, but still supported you. So it wasn't like a push. It was like, here, I I present to you possibilities. And that is, if parents are listening or teachers are listening, this is so important. Yes, give them lots of stuff that they can be challenged on, but don't push your kids into a certain avenue because if they are bored, they will not learn and they will not find their path because they haven't got the space to do what you've done throughout your life by the sounds of it, become curious and try lots of different things and add to your armor because we are all unique. So if anyone is listening, who's already on a path thinking this isn't for me, get curious and try something else. Don't think there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You just haven't found those things that are lighting you up in the right way. So you are so lucky to find to find that person and also that you value that as well is really important. Absolutely. And uh, apart of that, um, later on, I will say that the most important people in my life has always been my girlfriends. I've been so lucky to be in, to have love and being loved by four different women, very different kind of person, very different stage in my life. They allow me to learn a lot, not just about life, but basically about myself. Things that I was not really aware of, that I could not manage, that I was never able to to address or or to challenge or to accept. And these four different women allow me uh, totally in the last 20 years to just go off. I don't say say a better person, I don't think so, but at least to understand me well better and probably understand people uh, way better still working in how to accept all those uh, people's flows and my own flows and how to adapt to many different things. But definitely over time, the, they have been the most important person in my life and definitely my mentors. Mm-hmm. And they do, you know, we've learned, you know, that we actually develop most in relationship, but just what people don't realize that any relationship that you're in is where you're developing the most because you're sh- shining a mirror on your, you know, your good parts and your not so good parts. And we all have them. None of us have got all those parts <laughs> unless we've been enlightened, which many of us haven't, or most of us haven't, unless you're the Dalai Lama. We've got lots still to, to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, what I'm hearing, which I guess is what we've been finding along your your career and your space is, you know, is to stand up and question 
Because, you know, not many people would have had the confidence and the guts to go to that teacher and say, hey, actually, yeah, this is all about literature, but I haven't read a book by this guy. I actually don't feel I've got the grounds or the basics to go and judge or learn. How about I do this? Not many people would have had that drive to stand up and be, I want to understand these better. And that's what I'm hearing in our conversation is that thirst to want to understand things better, whether it is about a topic, whether it is about a person, which you said about your relationships too. I also can say that I'm sure they found that it was the same case the other way around. It's not only that you got to understand yourself better, but you do make an effort to understand others better. And again, I don't think not many people do that. We are so used to live on autopilot to just go at life with looking at what's ahead of us that actually those who stop, sit still and look around are a rarity. So kudos to you on that end too. Well, I would love to take some credit for that. I think part of that I can't, but uh, no, it's like I'm, I'm lucky enough to not have allergies or not have, I'm not being scared of hate. So whatever, it makes my life way easier. So in many, many cases, and I think it's just because of my chance or my family or my environment, I really was lucky to have some of these, not have some of these fears, inside fears that would block me. I have those in, in other aspects of life, but I have been lucky enough at least in terms of my professional life and my career, that all my skills and all my strengths have been aligned to allow me to do my job better. I mean, the fact that I love reading since a very, very early age, it was not at the beginning, it was my parents who basically bought me. They paid me for reading books when I was younger. I was not, I would prefer just to play ball and they paid me off and it worked at the beginning. It basically was. Somehow, I mean, maybe I will find the books way later on, but maybe not. And they just encourage somehow with some you know, good incentives to, to do that. But later on, that was, that's been lucky because becoming a journalist, just having a good background of readings is extremely helpful. If you wanted to pursue an academic life, was I thought for a while, it was very helpful speaking in other languages as well. So basically, when I eventually become a journalist, all my background helped me. This inside feeling that I have to provoke and challenge my teachers academically. I mean, I have been a very good boy all my life. I'm not the guy who breaks laws, who challenges their fathers. I was a very boring teenager in that sense. I had a lot of fights with my parents, but I never got drunk. I never had issues with police. I never skipped classes. So it was, it was an easy kid to rise up in, in those terms. But intellectually, I immediately was challenged everybody. I didn't ne never accept anything. But I was lucky that I had the right environment when, when the first time I tried to do that, I was not smashed and slapped. A teacher saying, you, shut up. It probably that will happen. My life today will be absolutely different. But I have, I was lucky. The school, the teacher, the system in case that the Italian school is a very oral system. I barely have written exams. So basically you need to stand up in, in the class and reply to the questions of the teacher in real time. So basically you had no time for hesitation. You could not really make things up. If you didn't know, if you ask asking, who is Napoleon? And you don't know who is Napoleon, you cannot 
uh, cheat. You cannot ask a friend for a help. You cannot just have five minutes to remember. You need to immediately reply. So that all forces you to do things, to, to be ready in terms of the knowledge and to be smart and quick in terms of how to lead the conversation, how to, through your answers, move the teacher to the subjects you know better, just like biting them, and they pick up the bite. And that's very, very good. And later on in my life as journalist has been extremely helpful. If eventually I would end up in a totally different, most office style, nine to five economic job, probably many of those skills have been not useless, but not as useful. <laughs> but you were aware, weren't you, by the sounds of it? Because even when you went off to do the economics, some people would have stuck to it because they decided. But yeah. you were aware that it wasn't right for you. So I think people have to slow down. And if something's really not aligned with them, I do think that they do need to change paths. And I think you're a great, great example of that. So, Pablo, what is the one question you wished we had asked you that we haven't? Huh. I would say, um, do you regret anything? <laughs> I was thinking of that one. <laughs> yeah. Do you regret anything? <laughs> Absolutely. I regret many, many, many things in the last 20 years. Many, many things. I've been lucky, extremely lucky. I, had, I have had a, a great life in every single aspect. But going against what you just said, <laughs> uh, for, for some time, I basically... I was way too, let's say, conservative in the terms of making those decisions. I was so reluctant to basically take the steps I needed, I had to take. Uh, let's pay, speak just in, in professional terms. I did join my newspaper in 2006 and I came to Brussels in 2014. So I spent eight years in the newsroom in, in Madrid. And at some point, I will not I can't say exactly when, but at some point it was very boring. I was not growing anymore. I was not really doing my job extremely well. It was just all right. It was way easy. I was get paid. I did my things, but I was not really enjoying it at all. I knew I needed a change and I was so afraid. So I basically waited. Everything turned up great. But it was not my decision. Eventually, my aspiration paid off. Like my editor will realize that given my skills, my foreign language uh, knowledge, my writing skills, my reading books, my ideas of history and political science, ending up in Brussels as a correspondent was the perfect place. I didn't know about at the time that. I eventually realized it later on, but I just basically waited for somebody else to take the decision and to change my life. I was not really brave enough to just quit my job or just go to the editor and propose something different. I was just waiting for a long, long time. And, and that I regret, even though eventually paid off very, very, very well. And I've never been more happy than the last seven or eight years here in Brussels. Oh, thank you, Pablo. I think that's something that will spark a lot of thoughts for everybody listening to us today. And sometimes, you know, the waiting can be a curse or a blessing, but I think it's also a good learning that if you find yourself at that spot, then sometimes, you know, raising your voice and, and, and having that talk 
can go a long way. So, you know, feel encouraged, I guess, that sort of the of the message. Pablo, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I actually found out some things I didn't know about you, even though we've been connected for almost 40 years. And it's been it's been a blast to to hear all about yourself, the journey. So Thank you very much for being so open and so humble. Thank um, you, yeah, for coming. And it was lovely to meet a family member. Lovely cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, thank you very much. You know, I love you very much. So thank you for being with us. And to all of you listening to us, thank you so much for tuning in one more week. Thank you for your love, your support. Please ensure that you subscribe so you get alerted when we release another episode. And if you think that, you know, listening to us and our lovely guests would proof of benefit please do share the episode with them leave us a review as well if you can and we shall see you here next week please until then stay safe stay sane stay motivated and see you next week 